Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. We are talking about United today. It's not Adelaide United. It's not Manchester United. It's not even the greatest team on earth, Leeds United. We're talking about a wonderful team of people. It's made up of people who are sitting around you right now. The team, the church of God, church of the living God. Jesus says in John 17, 20 to 21, I am praying not only for these disciples, he's praying to God, his Father, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. Jesus is praying for you. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. That's pretty united. You're in me, Father, and I'm in you. And may they be in us so the world may believe you sent me. What convinces the world that we have got something? That we're united, we're one. They'll know you're Christians by your love. Jesus says, They will know, the world will know that God sent Jesus because we are all united. God wants us to be united, the devil wants to divide. The whole spirit of the world is. Why stay united when there's so many great opportunities to be divided? The devil wants to divide. The devil wants to divide your marriage. The devil wants to divide you from your friends, you from your parents, you from your children. He wants to divide you from your boss. He wants to divide you from your employees. The devil is into division. Jesus is into united, unity. Jesus wants us to be one. He wants us to stay joined. Maybe you're thinking right now, that one more time, I'm out. Jesus is saying, have it 77 more times in the next 24 hours. And after that, start again. and Stay where I put you. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I love it. It's no coincidence that we're starting this series with Group Expo because that's an opportunity for us to be more united. The groups is a great place for us to find relationships that will only help us, that will develop us. Look at this wonderful scripture, this powerful scripture. Because, you know, our attitude is to be one of love for one another, not an attitude of, oh, God says I love you, so I love you, you big jerk. No, we have genuine affection for one another, familial affection, family affection. You know how you meet someone, a distant cousin, and you think, wow, there's something about you that it's it's kind of our family gene. And that's what happens when we meet other Christians 
there's something familiar about you. You're a bit like me. There's a part of you that reminds me of my father. And we relate to each other on that basis. Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 14. Important passage of Scripture. Take care, brethren, that there be that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, which means it's possible. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. If we have the same assurance and commitment that we started with when we first started this journey of faith. Can you remember that? When you first started to let God in to your heart, started to get excited and thought, wow, he really loves me. He's really there. Hold on to that for the rest of your life, day after day. How do we do that? This scripture indicates that God gives us a wonderful help in this area. And the wonderful help in this scripture is other believers. Other believers. I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I want to partake of all that is in Christ. I want to go to heaven. This scripture says, well, then hold firm until the end. And if you want to hold firm until the end... You need people around you to encourage you from time to time. It says here, verse 13, encourage one another day after day so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That word encourage, in some Bibles, in some versions, you'll see that it's, interp- it's translated warn, W-A-R-N. And those are two sides of the same coin. Positive encouragement. And more negative, warning. I need Christians around me who do both those things. I need Christians around me who encourage me, and I need Christians around me who warn me. And I've had both. But this whole passage talks about what happens, what what we're up against. And if you've been a Christian for more than a few days or weeks, you should have experienced this yourself. You should have experienced this battle, this battle that we go through as believers. It's a battle that can happen every single day. What is at the root of the battle? The root of the battle is sin. What is sin? Sin is at its core... Something that becomes more important to us than God. I'd rather do this than follow Him. I'd rather have that than trust that He's going to give me what I need, and that's enough. His grace is sufficient. Sin can be something external that calls to us, that tempts us, or it can be something internal that drives us. 
But either way, it's a battle. And if you've been a believer very long, you'll know there's a battle there. There are things that are so exciting, so wonderful, so compelling. That money is so compelling. That sex is so compelling. That success is so attractive. That thing is almost better than God. In fact, I'm going to just put a wall around that part of my mind and that life and just hold on to that. God can't go in there. He's not big enough. He's not good enough. And sin is anything that convinces us that the beauty and the majesty and the wonder and the promises and the eternity of God is not good enough. It's not as good as that. So what happens after that? Well, the next word we're looking at is the word deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful because a rational person would know that God is wonderful. There is nothing better than God. There is nothing more beautiful than God. There is nothing more loving and caring There's no one who cares for me as much as he does. There's nothing so magnificent as to be able to embrace him, as to be able to drink from his living water that we've just done, to be able to partake of everything that he is for the tiny exchange of all that I have to offer and to embrace that and to to see that that is sufficient. For me, that is more than enough for me. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, it says there that Moses considered that even the reproach that was attached to the people of Israel was better than all the treasures of Egypt. Come and drink. Come and drink. Why do you labour for the things that don't satisfy? God can be completely satisfying if we let him, if we take that step. So I am not going to fall for the lie that something else could possibly be better than God, that some other lifestyle, some other choice, some other possession, some other desire, some other future is better than God. And the more we lay that down and say, no, God, I want you more than I want that because you, are, you have the words of life. Then we realize that everything else is deceitful. The next word is hardened. Because if we allow one little thing, any little thing, to start to suggest to us that it is more valuable than God, And we start to believe that lie. It starts to send tentacles into our heart. Tentacles of frozen something. And our heart starts to freeze over. And the Bible says it becomes hard. It becomes hardened. And what was a soft heart that welcomes the seed of God? 
haven't started the timer. That's exciting. Um, okay, there's one at the back. Awesome. I was going to give myself another 20 minutes. It's fantastic. Our heart becomes harder, ding, 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 instead of being soft. And the seed, the Word of God, bounces off it. It's like a bullet in an old Western movie. Ricochets off the rock. I know you used to watch those all the time, Pramod. Hey, Cisco. Hey, Pancho. have to be a certain age to get that one. A heart that gets so hard that God has trouble getting in. And then it says that the heart, that heart becomes unbelieving. It doesn't have faith. It has the inability to believe. I don't believe that anymore. All because of a lie that something else is better than God. And an unbelieving heart is the definition of an evil heart. These are the things that you and I are up against. And anyone who's been a Christian for years, decades, you have fought against those things. You know what it's like. You know what it's like to have to lay it down again. You know what it's like to have to choose God again. You know what it's like when you, when you feel the Holy Spirit saying something to you and you want to ignore it. And you, have, you know what that wrestle, that fight of faith is all about. The Holy Spirit saying, stay soft, stay soft. Come on, stay soft. Keep that, that assurance and that love, your first love that you started with. Hold on. Hold on to the end. This is what you and I are up against. How do, do we prevent going down that track? Well, as I said, one thing that God has provided us with is fellowship. He's provided us with fellowship. It says here, encourage one another day after day. Why do we need to be encouraged every day? Because we're lied to every day. We're lied to every day. Anything apart from the Word of God, which is 100% reliable, anything else has got a little tinge to it. It's got a slight color on it, if not blatantly untrue. Every news message has got a certain push in a certain direction in it. Every book we read, every movie we watch. I've said it before, my mother referred to dog poo when she talked to our kids about certain movies. She'd say, ah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun movie, it's a good thing. It's got a, bit of, a tiny bit of dog poo in it. And she said, uh, and she'd bring out chocolate chip cookies and say, here you go, I've got, brought you some chocolate chip cookies to watch while you're watching them, eat while you're watching the movie. Uh, just before you have one, I did put a tiny bit of dog poo in it, in the batch. That's okay. Apart from that, it's fine. Who wants one? Funnily enough, they wouldn't have one. And yet, there's so much that we watch. Is that true? There's so much that we see around us and you think, hang on, that's not true. I hope you do that when you're watching movies. I hope you see them with a friend, you analyze them at the end and say, well, that was a good movie, but you know, that 
what they said about that was completely false. Sometimes a movie is a great movie and they don't say anything against God. It's just that they don't even mention God. That's a lie. Every part of our life is a spiritual journey. And movies by people who don't fight that fight, they don't have that aspect. It's a whole missing segment. It's a lie. We need to be in fellowship because it says here, Take care, brethren, that there be not in any of you. In other words, I'm, I'm to be taking care of, of all of you, and you to be taking care of all of us, and we're looking out for one another. Take care that none of you fall into that trap. And one of the reasons I go to group is because I love being with other believers. I love being able to hear other people encourage me, and warn me. One of the groups I go to has a powerful warner in it. It's not David Warner. He's constantly warning everyone about their fitness. No one knows who I'm talking about. That's great because men, Christian men, we need to be warned. Don't go down that track. You're getting less and less healthy, less and less fit. What are you doing? You're going to be have a, have a rotten time in your 70s and 80s. Or whatever. That's just the tip of an iceberg of a warner. A real warner. I've had warners in my life. They'd say, why are you doing that? Why don't you just forgive them? Why are you seeking revenge? That's the wrong direction. Because these scriptures tell us that the deceitfulness of sin will harden us in some area. And that area becomes more and more powerful at hardening our heart. And that hardening of the heart leads us to be unable to believe in that area. And we need people around us to say, you know, you don't seem as positive about God's Word as you used to be. I've noticed that you are always saying negatives about your wife or whatever the issue is. These are all warners. We need encouragers and warners. We all need to be encouragers and warners. Can I suggest that this is your calling? This is your ministry. It's my ministry, but it's all of our ministry to be an encourager and a warner. A warner is constantly saying, you know, if you continue down that path, if they need, they don't constantly say it, only if they need to say it. You know, if you continue down that path, where do you think it's, it's aiming at? Because heaven is over here. God's ways is over here. I want you to hold on to that so that you can partake of Christ. This scripture suggests that if you let this happen to you, if I let this happen to you without saying what I need to say, you're headed towards a, a place of tears. You're not heading towards a place of joy. You're heading towards a place of tears, and this scripture suggests you will not partake if you keep going down that path. We want all the encouragement that we can get. We love it when people say, keep going. You're doing really well. God loves you. God's going to come through. Keep believing. And that is all true. But that's only one half. The other half is when things 
are heading the wrong direction. Have you got anybody around you who you know they're going to notice? That's one of the reasons I go to the groups. I want somebody in that group to notice. And conversely, I want to be there and notice he hasn't come to group for three weeks. Got to give him a call. Or when he has come, he's extremely negative. Or whatever the issue is. Surround yourself with encouragers and warners. And I'd suggest a ratio of about seven to one. Positive is seven. Warning is one. I had been a, a young, I was a young Christian. I'd been a Christian for about six months. And my best friend all through high school, we've been best friends for four years. When I became a Christian, he suddenly, re- he thought, well, he took it as a bit of a slap in the face. And he reactivated his Mormonism. And then we'd have these big discussions, and then we'd do this. And And I started to value his friendship above my new faith in Jesus to the point that I thought I could become a Mormon and everything would be fine. And that I just happened to mention that at a Monday night Bible study that I was going to. And I was blessed to have a couple of guys there in particular, who took me aside and they spent hours going through the Bible, clarifying things, warning me. Have you got people like that in your life? Groups are a place where you can find people like that. Are you that person? Groups are a place where you can be that person. I encourage you to join a group. Look at 1 Samuel 23, 16. David has been betrayed. He's running from Saul. And after this verse, he's betrayed by other people again in a different way. But here it says, Jonathan, Saul's son, arose. He found David at Horish and encouraged him in God. Some verses say he helped him build build up his faith in God. David had Jonathan's, had a Jonathan in his life. Who is your Jonathan? Who is your David? Who is your person that you are encouraging in God? Come on, keep going. Stand firm, hold fast. You can do it. God loves you. And also, you know that direction you're going in. It's not headed in a good way. You need to turn around now. Turn around. Do not go and have a coffee with that secretary again. Invite your wife out for a coffee. Because that is going to end in disaster. It's going to be a train wreck for you, for her, for everybody. Have you got those people? Are you that person? Let's pray. Two questions for you. Do you have people like that in your life? Encouragers and warners. Who are they? Can you get on the phone to them and tell them what you're going through? And the second thing, are you that person? Because that's your calling. 
you want to make sure that everyone gets to heaven. There are no left behinds. There's no casualties. We want to do whatever it takes, even if it means talking to them for a few hours, showing them the Bible and going over, answering every question. Most of all, are you here today and you have not made a commitment to Christ? You have not partaken of everything He has to offer? that's you today and you feel the the Spirit of God tapping on your heart, is it already too hard for you to open your heart? Or is it still soft enough that you can push and the hinges creak open and allow Jesus to come in? Because that's what He wants to do. And He is more beautiful, more wonderful. He offers rest and peace that nothing else does. He's better. Jesus is so much better than everything else. He satisfies the driest heart, the thirstiest soul. He's a specialist in bringing life out of death, in bringing hope out of hopelessness. And he so longs for us to be with him as one, for the Father to be in us and for all of us to be one and united. Let's give you the opportunity, if that's you, you have never made that commitment to Christ, we're going to say a prayer all together, even if we have made that. You know, this could be something we say every day, because every day... We need to remind ourselves how good He is. So let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I turn to You. I drop everything else because You're worth it. Thank You for sending Jesus to die in my place, to be sin on my behalf. I'm so sorry for ignoring you. And I invite Jesus into my heart. I shut the door with him on the inside. And I ask you to lead me every day of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, Find us online at c3churchwatson.com.